0: stopped right between 11 and 12 and we're doing uh, <clears throat> kind of a series i guess so that's what i would call it and i entitled it for christians only and it's basically the life of grace uh and the sermons basically that we've heard the last two weeks they're all building on each other um so uh, I have to kind of review quickly as we go uh, and, and, and what is happening. I see in Christendom today um, what I call a tragedy. And the reason that I call it a tragedy is that the Apostle Paul wrote a letter fighting against this. Um, I think it was in the early 60 A.D., a letter to the Galatians. And that letter has a phrase in it, and this is where we're going to go, but I'll build to it. It comes out of Galatians chapter 3. And he says, Foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? And it literally means cast a spell on you to deceive. Okay? And I believe that the Christians today are under some kind of a spell. And the reason that I believe that is from what I see. The spell is this. What you have begun in the Spirit, you're now perfected in the flesh. And I see Christians um, working extraordinarily hard for Jesus. But I'm not sure that Jesus has got <laughs> wants any part of what they're doing. And I'll deal with that today because what we've been looking at is selected scripture on what he does and what we are to do. And there's too many times we see what we want to do or we think we want to do and we're not involved in what he is doing. Okay, I see people who have this great compassion to do this, but Christ ain't working there. And so they're out there busy. Christ's not involved in it and I see it over and over and over and over and over Um, let's open up with a word of prayer and then I'll we'll jump right headlong into this thing father please help us now help us to hear help us to see help us to draw to you and you alone father let us understand the sufficiency that we already have father let us understand the power that exists Let us understand the amazement of being a child of God, of being an heir of Christ Jesus, of of being adopted into your family, that we can literally call you Papa, Abba. Father, let us rest there. Father, let the flesh that we are in not be that important to us. Let us understand it's but a vessel. It's just an earthen jar. Father, let us work in the power and the majesty of the precious treasure that is inside. To you, merciful Savior, glorious King, Lord of lords, King of kings, Christ's name, amen. We looked at Ephesians, and I wanted to take a... Uh, uh, just a, a text. Just write these down. We're not going to spend a lot of time here. And Re- Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1, the Apostle Paul says this, Therefore, okay? Therefore means, in light of everything I've given you, okay, in light of the fact you've been blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenlies, in light of the fact that you are chosen by God, predetermined by God, and you were saved by Grace through faith. That not of yourselves. Because of what God is doing in His giftedness among His people. Because you have been blessed and gifted according to the measure of Christ's gift. Because of all of these things, therefore, be imitators of God. As beloved children, walk in love. Just as Christ also loved you and gave Himself up for you. He says, I want you to walk in love. And we all like that, right? Let's just walk in love, love, love. All right, that he qualifies, he says, just like Christ walked. Okay, let me ask you a question. What can you do to accomplish that? What can you do? Do you believe that if you memorize the Bible, Genesis, or Revelation, then you're ready to walk in love? Do you believe that, well, you know, if I do this Bible study or I get this degree or if I get this situation or if I get this relationship, then now I'm ready to walk in love. Do you understand that chapter five, verse one, Paul is showing you and I, this is impossible for you to accomplish. You can't do this if you haven't grabbed a hold of the rest of it. All right? It isn't you walking in Christ's love. It is Christ walking in His love through you. When people see something that is good about me that one time, it was a manifestation of Christ. It isn't me. When you see a person and you're attracted to that person, that's Christ that you're seeing. That is Christ that you're seeing. And I see us struggling with that. Look what he said. Remember, I'm going to go backwards now. All right. Chapter 4, verse 7 says that he has given gifts to men. And we all like that, right? Anybody here don't like getting gifts? I didn't hear any. Okay. Okay. All right, I'm just making sure that this, you know, everybody's paying attention. Who doesn't like getting gifts? But then he says, but it is to the measure of Christ's gift. Okay, what was the limit of Christ's gift? What did Christ withhold? And that is to the degree of the gift that you have been given. Now, let me ask you a question. When you are ministering, okay, you know you're supposed to do that? Did you know that? Okay, if not, you have to read the rest of four he said he gave them some to be apostles and prophets, evangelists, pastor, teachers, for the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry. All right. Now, just in case. So he had, see, he had a plan. And he gave gifts to men. And then he gave gifted men to the church. All right. And that's what he did. Why? That's so how he knew we were going to have to grow. So that we can do what? We can minister. I would even put a qualitative on it. Effectively. I know a lot of people who are serving for no apparent reason. And the reason is, they believe that a talent is what God has given them. Don't get me wrong. Talent is a gift from God. That is not a spiritual gift. Okay? Because what you'll find is a spiritual gift is given to the person and it will be that one thing in that person's life that they have absolutely no ability to do. Absolutely no ability to do. Here's, let me give you an illustration from my life. Um, I've concluded the reason we don't have a big church is because God knows I can't speak in front of a whole bunch of people. I don't have that ability. And I've had the opportunity to speak in front of huge crowds. And God has always blessed me with really bright lights that I can't see anybody out in front of me. Okay, our armies just see a row of people and it isn't that big a deal. I spoke to a group of 5,000 pastors from around the world. And thank God, Clayton Err was, was the only person I could see. He does music at John MacArthur's church. And he's the only one. And I like Clayton. Uh, Clayton's never been married ever. Doesn't uh, John MacArthur says that Clayton's wife died at birth. And uh, so he's, he's not to be married. So he, he drives Transams or Corvettes and leads music. And I'm thinking, Clayton, Clayton may be the wisest man I've ever met in my life. Anyway, um, <laughs> I love you, sweetie. But anyway, um, the, the thing that we have to be aware of is that the last thing I ever want to do is stand in front of a bunch of people and act like I know what I'm talking about. I don't want to do that. So what did God gift me to do? Preach and exhort. All right? And therefore, there you go. All right, so that's the spiritual gift. But in 13, he says, here's what the plan is. We will all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God. Okay? Okay? Now, let me ask you a question. Look around you right now and ask yourselves, how unified are you with these other people? That's the plan. Why? God says, I'm going to manifest the unity in the body of Christ, John 17, in such a way that it will look just like the unity the Father has with the Son. What are you going to do to do that? How are you going to be unified with every saint of God? To the knowledge of the Son of God. Who is he? And I'm not talking about, well, he was born of a virgin. I'm I'm talking about more than that. Do you know what his heart is? Let me ask you a question, personal question right now. Do you know what God's intimate will for you is at this moment? Okay, now I'm not talking about a walk in holiness. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the decisions you make in your life. Do you know what God's will is in those decisions? Everything from my daily bread, where do I work, how many kids, my education, how I function in the body of Christ. Do you know what God's will is? Because let me tell you something. He didn't hide it. He didn't hide it. You may not be able to lay your hands on it, but I can tell you the reason for that. That would be non-repentant sin. Because the, in the Scriptures, it's all over the place. This is the will of God. We, I just got done finishing up teaching on the Lord's table. What did it say? Do this. What would you suppose the implication of that would be? The will of God is that you... Partake of the Lord's table so you can proclaim His death until He returns. Okay, how many Christians run around and the Lord's table isn't that big a deal and they wonder why they can't find the Lord's table or can't find the Lord's will? Why? Well, if you can't take care of the simplest things, you really think you're going to get to complex things? I see this over and over. Don't forsake the assembly together, which is the habit of... I say most... But some is the correct translation. If I can't understand that, pray without ceasing. What do you suppose he's trying to get at there? Would that be the will of God? Yes. Well, I'm trying to find the will of God. Are you praying without ceasing? Well, not really. Well, you ain't going to find it. You ain't going to find it. Okay? Okay. That's the kind of stuff that if I have the knowledge of the Son of God, then I'm going to be in the unity of faith. I've had people in my life that have said, God is leading me to wherever. And I said, well, how do you know that? Well, I prayed, and I just feel led. I said, well, what does that mean, you feel led? Well, I think God's telling me I need to go do this. And I said, well, have the elders of the church prayed with you? No. Has any Christians prayed with you? No. So you're just feeling. That's it. It ain't the will of God. You're just feeling. Let me tell you something. The greatest missionary that ever walked the planet earth came together with the leadership of the church of Antioch. And the whole church said, the Holy Spirit has told us that Paul and Barnabas need to go. And you know what the church did? Helped them go. I see people say, well, I'm feeling led. Feeling led to what? See what I'm trying to get at? It sounds spiritual, doesn't it? Ask yourself a question. Does it unify the faith? Does it unify the faith? Okay. Well, it's making mine stronger. Well, we didn't unify if it's making yours stronger. Because my responsibility here is to add to your... Faith. You know what your responsibility to me is? Unify my faith. We're all in this thing together. But people say, well, I want to go do this because why? It feels good. You know what? I'd give anything to start a church in Barbados. And I feel like God has drawn me that way. I just can't get anybody to go along with it. Every one of you are rebelling against the Spirit of God. (laughs) I'm the only one who is sensitive to it and I need to be starting the first Baptist church of Barbados. And you guys just don't get it. See what I mean? See what I mean? Now, if somebody wants to say, well, I think God's leading you to Tahiti. Fine. <laughs> we can do that. I'm flexible. That's the kind of stuff that we need to be in. Be very, very clear on. In Ephesians chapter 3, verses 14 through 21, he shows you how this process works. I pray that the Holy Spirit in the inner man, right, will strengthen you. That's a good idea. Don't you like that? I want to be strengthened in the inner man. And then you will know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. You'll know its height, its depth, its breadth. You'll know all of that. And you're going to know with all the saints that they can't be known. What is that? The love of God the love of the Lord Jesus Christ. And then guess what happens? Christ is going to dwell in you comfortably. The word dwell there is at home. I'm just going to hang. I'm at home. All right. I'm at home. And it says then God will do exceedingly abundantly beyond what you could ever think or imagine. All right. That's how it works. The Trinity works. And all of that comes on the fact that we are His workmanship. Chapter 2, verse 10. We were created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand. Do you understand what it means when He says prepared beforehand? God says, I've got a plan. And I've got the plan down to the jot and the tittle. God seems to be a God of detail. Even there's times when oh, I don't see the detail. God says, I have the details worked out. And he says, You know what? I have already decided this. This is how this thing's going to work. This is how this thing's going to work. All I need you to do is to be sensitive to what I'm doing. Be sensitive. How are you going to do that? Go back. According to the measure of Christ's gift, He has given gifts to men. Even to the point of apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastor, teachers. To the strengthening of the saints for the work of ministry. I've already had it decided. I've got a plan. This is how I'm going to do it. And I'm going to get it accomplished. Watch this. It's amazing stuff. Okay? Last week, I looked at Romans 8. One of my favorite texts in all of Scripture. The 8th chapter. Dr. Stephen Olfer called it the Cathedral of Christendom. But he was into alliteration. I can't do that. I do it every once in a while, but it's an accident. Verse 28 says, We know that God causes all things together for the good of those who love God to those who are called according to His purpose. Okay? Verse 28. Now, we share that when the woman has just lost her husband. Okay? When the child who was on the rebellious side, got thrown in juvenile detention, we know that God causes all things to work for the good of those who love Him. Okay? When you take the world's most tragic, the hurricane Katrina, we know that God causes all things. Why? It's, it's like we teach God sovereignty. Everybody in here believes God's sovereign. All right? If you're dealing with somebody who's really hurting, you tell them, God is sovereign. Okay. But when it's you, what happens? How do I get out of this? How do I fix this? Why? God just all of a sudden decided to go ahead and sovereign with you? Do all things work for our purpose? Okay, what would all things be? Why do we use this text in a negative sense and not realize in a positive sense that works for our good too? I don't understand that. He causes all things. You know what all things are? That's all things. That would be the positive and the negatives. Why? It sounds to me like he's got a plan, don't you? He's got a plan. Because he has a purpose. He has a purpose. Okay? Verse 29. Some of you don't like this verse. That's fine. Just ignore it. I'm going to say that it says, For those whom he foreknew, he predestined. Okay? For what? Okay? Ask yourself a question. What is the will of God for you? It says it right there. To be conformed into the image of His Son. Okay? Through all things, God says it's going to be for your good. Right? For what? Molding you into the image of Jesus Christ. Every single child of God. Now, if you read these words, a lot of these people don't like this. Do you understand verse 28? God, we know God causes all things to work together for those who love God. Do you see that that's predetermined? Okay, it, it isn't God saying, oh my gosh, look, they're running off there. I need to, oh, look, look, that one's getting away too. Oh, wait, 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 that's not what he's doing. Listen, there are people who are in open rebellion to the Lord Jesus Christ's will in their lives. And all God is doing is chasing them, that's it. spanking them. And in some cases, it even says he will scourge them. You know what scourge means? I'm going to whip the hide right off of you. Okay? And that sounds pretty serious. But if you think about it, people who are partaking of the Lord's table in an unworthy manner are sick and weak and some are dying. Why? Why? My will for every single child of God is to be conformed into the image of my son. That's my will. That's my will, but you also know that that is his purpose. That is God's purpose so that you and I have purpose. We have purpose. I think that's the coolest thing I've ever read. And yes, you know what? There's days when I whoop me like a red-headed stepchild. And you know what? I've gotten borderline. I'm going to beat the hide right off of you, Terry. Okay, I'm listening. I'm listening. Okay? Okay, okay. You have my attention. Those he foreknew. I love that word. We all freak out on it. It's the word we get prognosis from. We get prognosis from. You know what that means? prognosis we have a doctor in the audience and he'll tell you that it says because of this this is going to happen okay contextually what happens in the same way the spirit helps us in our weaknesses for we do not know how to pray there's times that I haven't got a clue to pray some of you make it very difficult i don't know how to pray for you okay and it's really tough as a pastor say father Merciful King, Lord of Lords, King of Kings, would you rip the hide off of that person? Right? And I tell you what, I've run into a handful that, Lord, if you don't, I will. (laughs) Here's the deal. Okay? Look what he says. In our weaknesses, we don't know how to pray, but the Spirit himself does what? Intercedes. For us, with groanings too deep for words. Don't read more into that In there. There are times when I lay before situations that all I can do is cry. I weep. I say, Lord, my spirit is so heavy. I am so troubled right now. I'm dying here. Help me. That's groanings too deep for words. I don't understand it. Look what he says. He searched the hearts and knows the mind of who? The spirit is because he intercedes for the saints. How? How is that? According to the will of God, because we know we've learned this, that he causes all things to work for the good of those who love Christ. We know that. Why? Because we know that there are times when our spirit is so overwhelmed with where we're at and what we're doing. I don't even have any words, Jesus. I don't have anything I can say to you. I am hurting here, Lord. And the Holy Spirit says, but I know the mind of God. Don't worry. Why? Because those He foreknew, He predestined. And I know this because the Spirit does what? Intercedes on behalf of me. He intercedes on my behalf. See, when I look at predestined, called, and justified, you know what I see? Power of God. Who can thwart the will of God? Who can thwart it? Who can stop His plans? Who has ever given unto God that He should give unto them? Who has ever been in a position to give counsel to God? So who can stop him? Listen, if you hear those words and you, th- you you jump into inevitability, I can't stop it. I might as well just let him run over me. Then you completely missed it. I look at that and I say, you know what? Those whom He predestined, He called. Those whom He called, He justified. And those whom He justified, He also does what? Glorified. You know what is amazing about that? Past tense. Past tense. I'm not waiting to die so I can see glory. I'm waiting to see the unity of the faith today so that the bride of Christ, a pure and chaste virgin, is lifted up and the whole world goes, Wow! Why? That is the glory of the risen King. That's amazing to me that we sit here this day and we all... Ought- we believe Jesus was raised from the dead? I believe that. But you don't understand. My bills are a little tough and I've got to... Excuse me? My child is not reading that well and I, you know, I think he needs to be doing this. What? My car is... <laughs> he raises the dead, but he can't take care of you. Or he forgot where he put you? Do you see how silly that is? Well, you just don't understand. No. You don't understand. Who is he? What does he do? Everything. Oh, you just don't understand. I, you know, I'm, I'm single. I need to be married. I need to be married right away. And I need a wife. And you know God created us to do this. I need a husband. I need a boyfriend. I need this. I need a job. I, other, I need all of this. And did he speak existence into being? Yes. Okay. And... But he just can't figure out where you're at or what relationship you need or whatever. Why? What'd you just miss? You just miss creation. He's hanging out. I don't understand that, but listen, we're all guilty of it. You know? the end of the month longer than the end of the month income? <laughs> right? We've all done that, okay. His power is that I have predetermined it in such a way that I have called it into being and therefore by calling it into being I need to make this thing work because I have justified it. Why? So that my glory be manifest through this that I have already predetermined, called and justified. And let me ask you a question. What do you do? What are you going to do to add to that? I don't understand that. Which brings me, that's all introduction. How are we doing? Galatians chapter 3 verses 1 through 5. We'll run right through this. Fools, fools, foolish Galatians, who has baited you, who has deceived you in such a way before whose eyes Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified? This is the only thing I want to find out from you. Did you receive the spirit by works of the law? Or by hearing with faith. Stop right there for a second. You know what he just said? Did you get saved because you kept the law? I got up every morning, read my Bible, prayed that stuff and that I was supposed to pray. And did everything I was supposed to do. And therefore, because I was doing that, didn't God save me? You know, when I came to salvation, I'll tell you what I knew about the law of God. 23rd Psalm, because it was on the back of the obituary for my father. And the Lord's Prayer. What is called the Lord's Prayer. That's it. Okay. What works of the law can I do out of those two texts? Go into sheep herding? What? Okay. So how did I get saved? Holy Spirit came down and said you're mine here's the deal you just become a prisoner of Jesus Christ prisoner of Jesus Christ and at the point in time I was a prisoner but it, was, it sure didn't look like Jesus <laughs> I always thought he was taller but anyway do you understand that stuff Look what read on it, says. He says, he starts it out. He says, do you really believe that you can have the Bible? Read that bugger and all of a sudden just wake up saved. I know people who used to carry Bibles and put them under their pillows and all kinds of stuff. They put them in the hotel rooms. And so I'm saved in this room. Why? There's a Bible in the drawer. I see people who are like that. I see people today, you ask them if they're saved. And they said, yeah. But what do you do with the text that says they do not have a love of the wor- word as to be saved? What do you do with that one? I carry a Bible. I carry a great big Bible just in case. You know, I have family or something like that. Do you see what I'm trying to get at? You literally think that you got saved because of something you do? Now, the Galatians would have said, and you would have said today, absolutely, I understand it was predetermined, and I understand he foreknew, and I understand that God just reached down, and he snatched me from the fire, and I praise God for that. I understand that complete, completely. Look what he says then. Are you so foolish, having begun by the Spirit, you're perfected by the flesh? Did I suffer? Did you suffer so many things in vain? Okay, you went through all that for what? You got exposed to the gospel, you made some kind of profession, you maybe got baptized, got ostracized by your peoples, you got put, shunned, and all the rest of it, and you went through all that, and now you think you're going to perfect it? Because look what he says in verse 5, and then I'm going to spring out of this one. So then, does he who provides you with the Spirit, did you get that? You didn't do anything to deserve the Spirit. It was a gift. It is grace. He who provides you with the Spirit and works, miracles among you. Do it by works of the law or by hearing with faith? We're surrounded by legalist people. That text right there almost summarizes the church in America today. Okay, uh, The other day I seen this bumper sticker and I thought about this text. I was kind of running. This bumper sticker says, Jesus is coming. Look busy. True. Jesus is coming. Sky's going to open up. Where's my Bible? i got to act like I'm studying my Bible. Look busy. How many people do you see in the church today who are looking busy? Let me ask you a question. Are you growing because of works of the law or are you growing because of hearing the word by faith? Hearing the word by faith. I get in trouble for this, but I'm going to share it anyway. The only thing you've ever been called to grow in is your faith. Your faith. That's it. That's it. And people don't understand that. Do you trust me? But if all things work to conform me into this thing, then how's your faith? How's your faith? Look at hu- relationships between husband and wives. Look at the relationship between children and their parents. Look at relationships between co-workers and masters and slaves, basically. Some of you say, I'm a slave. You no, 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 you're not. You're going to do it as unto Christ. Why? Because you are a prisoner of the Lord Jesus Christ. Period. Look at what we do. Jesus is coming. I better look busy. What if He comes on a Thursday? I mean, if He don't come on Sunday, we're dead meat. We're dead meat. Look at chapter 4. Verses 1 through 3. Here's some more of what God has done. Now I say, as long as the heir is a child a minor, he does not differ from all, at all from the slave, although he is the owner of everything. Okay, basically what he's talking about, usually in the home, during the writing of this letter, there was one slave who was an intellectual, and that slave would teach the child, the children of the owners of the property, uh, morality, basically. And yet, that child, for that time frame, was a slave no different than a slave, except for this small problem. The child was an heir to the whole estate. Okay? Think about Jesus. He was an heir to all of it, but there was a time he was a servant to he who he is. Look. I am here not to do my will, but he who... Sent me. You know what that implies? I'm sent. The master has told me to go do something. And I'm here to do his will. He's in the garden of Gethsemane. Father, not my will, but yours be done. Let me tell you something. In the garden of Gethsemane, he knew what God's will was. They planned it. (laughs) This whole thing was planned before Genesis 1-1. He already had it all figured out. This is what we're going to do. He's not sitting there, God, tell me what you're doing. He's saying, Not my will. Yours be done. Okay? Where are you at in life? Where are you at in life? See, look what we do. But he is under guardians and manor, managers until the date set by his father. Okay? He is under overseers. Do you know what a Um, an elder, a pastor in the churches. He is a guardian to the flock. I guard the flock. Why? And I grow the flock. I manage the flock. I take care of this flock. I want to see this flock grow in the majesty of he who owns this flock. That's my responsibility. I have management over it. And yet, even in that, I have managers who are over me. Who are watching me. Who are helping me. And that is the plan that is laid before us. And then there is a date set by the Father. Who's the Father? Let me tell you. He's not in Rome. That ain't the Father. I mean, they want to call him the Father. That ain't the Father. There's only one Father. One father. Do you understand? I remember sharing this with some people the other day. I had to preach a sermon in front of Dr. Olford, Stephen Olford, and have him critique it. Okay, and then one of the secretaries that was there came in. She says, I really want to hear you preach and all that. I said, I'm scared to death. I said, I tell you what, if my hands is on fire, I couldn't spit to put them out. And I said, my throat just getting drier and drier. And I said, That's amazing. And Memphis is the land of humidity. How can anything get dry? And she says, Well, that's all right. She says, Well, I understand, Terry. She's a sweet lady. But. <laughs> She came and she said, well, you know, every, every time you preach, you preach before Christ. I said, yeah, but you don't see Christ sitting there critiquing you. <laughs> and there's an advantage in him being invisible right now. <laughs> or being at the right hand of the Father. I prefer that. Okay? But do you understand that? Every time you teach, every time you share the gospel, every time you do that, you have management, guardian over you. Somebody's watching out for you. Here's what we do so also we, while we were children, were held in bondage under what? The rudimentary. Rudimentary is what I'm trying to say. The basic teachings and principles of society. The do's and don'ts that the world tells you you've got to do and don't. We were under those. Until the time of the Father. By the time of the Father. You know what? I had a person one time says, well, <laughs> it's so kind, of, kind of comical. Well, you know, every man is inherently good. It's just that every once in a while they get deviant and get off on the corner. And I said, then why are there so many laws? If every man is good, then most of us don't need no laws. And it's just a few who need laws. Well, I never thought of that. You might want to think about that. Okay. And you hear this. Well, we can't legislate morality. Really? Is murder immoral? Sound to me like we're legislating morality. Okay? That's the kind of stuff that you see. That's the basics that every human being is under. I don't care whether you're in a jungle someplace. I don't care whether you're in a civilization. I don't care where you are. All through history, man has had laws. Do's and don'ts. Elementary principles. Why? And it's based on a moral thing. Based on a moral thing. Did they corrupt it? Absolutely. But in the fullness of time, God came, sent forth His Son, born of a woman, born under the law. Now they said, here's God's law. And He, he talks about it. He says, the law of God is a schoolmaster. I think King James translates it. And it literally... I think a schoolmaster is a lady that hit you on the knuckles with the ruler. That's just a long story. It's just something I read about. But anyway... They're the ones that sit there, you can't do that, you can't do that, you can't do that. And what does the law do to you? You can't do that, you can't do that, you can't do that. And you see people walking around going, I can't do that, I can't do that, I can't do that. And they look just mad at the world. Do you understand that you are free in Christ? You are free from the law? Did you understand that? Because you understand His grace. Why? It's already been done to you. been done for you. Go over to chapter 5, verse 1. For it was for freedom that Christ set us free. (laughs) what that's what it says it was for freedom therefore what keep standing firm and do not be subject again to the yoke of slavery don't go back into bondage don't go into the do's and don'ts world just say here I am Lord use me up pour me out as a drink offering I am yours. I've been bought and paid for with a price. I was redeemed. I was standing on the slave block and my former owner, Satan, you bought me from Lucifer. Why would I stay in the elementary teachings that the world throws at us? Why do I stay there? Why would, after being freed from that, I run back to it? Think about how many things on a daily basis you do that your flesh says this will make you fill in the blank. And ask yourself this one single question. How many times has it ever been successful? This will satisfy. This will completely you. This will make you happy. This will make you whatever. Just go down the line. How many times have the things of this world fulfilled you? How many times? why would you go back to that bondage? Because that's what it is, bondage. You know, I need a bigger TV, I need a smaller TV, I need a flat TV, I need a round TV, I need a whatever TV. Okay, why? What will it add to your life? Well, I can spiritualize it, i got all these Christian DVDs I can watch. See, what would you... Now, listen, I'm not against getting a TV. But what I'm saying is, why do I become... Slave to it. Or a new car, an old car, uh, a bicycle, a big bicycle, another bicycle, a pedaling bicycle. And one that you can, it's got a motor on it. Whatever. Why do I do them things? I mean, there's nothing wrong with it until I become a slave to it. And that's what the Apostle Paul, keep standing firm. Why? You are free. Do not subject again to yoke of slavery. See, His grace, this is what He's already done. It's already there. Why do you refuse to stand in it? Why do you refuse to stand in it? Okay? Verse 13, chapter 5, He gives us a warning. I like this. Remember what He says. You were predestined and you were called, right? Look what verse 13 says. You were called to what? Freedom. You were called to it. Brethren, but here's the warning. Do not turn your freedom into an opportunity for flesh. See, our flesh says, boy, this will be free. <laughs> I'm free. I'm allowed to do this. Okay? Watch how quickly we can take something that is freedom and twist it into bondage. Okay? Okay? But through love, what? What? Serve one another. You know what the original root word for that is? Minister. Bummer, dude. But I wanted a ministry to Barbados. I wanted a ministry to fill in the blank. Fill in the blank. I want to minister to this, I want to minister to that, I need to minister to this, I need to minister to that. And he says, but use your freedom to do what? Minister to one another. Listen, if I'm not faithful with the people who are around me, ministering to them, serving them, why would you think you're going to get more? Because now all of a sudden it's starting to be works. It's starting to be worse. Listen, if I'm not faithful with what God has graced me with, all of a sudden in my arrogance I believe that I'm worth more? I should minister to more? I should have bigger crowds? Bigger Bible studies? I just don't understand it? You really believe that? But if I if I haven't got like 22 people in my Sunday school class, I'm a failure. You're a failure. Period. The precious treasure is inside. You're an old clay pot. Line up. But change the church name to the Clay Pots Are Us. I mean, do you see what I'm trying to get at? We let that creep in because now I'm ready. Gee, many crickets I was sharing last night with uh, Delta's friend <laughs> and, uh, on Hebrews. And I said, I taught the book of Hebrews. I think it took me four and a half or five years, something like that. And I said, it's most frustrating. And uh, When I completed the book of Hebrews, all I could do was cry before God, weep. Weep before God. God, I have so mishandled this text. There is so much here, my king, that I have not gotten to. This is awful, Lord. I said, Lord, I could preach this book indefinitely you your coming and still never get to its depths. The book of Hebrews. I could never uh, exhaust the text. And it just frustrated me. And then it dawned on me. He says, but you don't understand. You're just a clay pot. I'm the treasure. I'm the treasure. He has already done this. He gives us a warning. Do not let your freedom be an opportunity for your flesh. Okay? How do I avoid that? Verse 16. Verse 16. How do I keep the flesh from sneaking up and corrupting what God is doing? It's easy. No problem. He's already done it. Verse 16 walk by the Spirit. Walk by the Spirit. Listen, it's an amazing phrase. I mean, think about walking. How much intellect do you put in? How much thinking do you put into walking? I mean, walking is like breathing. It's time to get up and I put my left foot forward and then I put my right foot forward and then I put my left foot. Do you do that? No, you just get up and walk. Unless you're my daughter. And then she has to think harder about it. Okay? But do you understand that? He's saying it should not be this thing. It should be second nature to you to do something that is mundane, that is ordinary, that is absolutely no big deal, and you should do this. Why? Take the record of the book of Galatians, the book of Ephesians, the book of Romans. Why? Because of what I've already done. All I want you to do is walk in what I've already done. Walk in what I've already done. Walk by the Spirit. Look what he says. For the flesh sets its desires against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. For these are in opposition to one another, so that you may not do the things that you please. Listen, when I see people, so many people who have a biblical understanding, a biblical knowledge, and they're out doing things outside of what God commands. They're not faithful with the small, minute details that God has already given us. This is my will for you. Your sanctification. This is my will for you. Be conformed to an image of my Son. This is my will for you. Partake of the Lord's table. This is my will for you. Do not forsake the assembly together. This is my will for you. Pray without ceasing. This is my will for you. And you just go through all of these things, and they're not doing those? Then I watch them, and they take off spiritualizing everything they're doing, and all it is is the flesh and the spirit warring. And they say, well, you don't understand I feel depressed, and you don't understand I don't have a boyfriend, you don't understand I don't have this, you don't understand I need this job, you don't understand anything. You know what you're saying? My flesh isn't satisfied, and how in the heck can I satisfy my flesh? And I just look at him and smile. You can't. It's impossible. So quit it. Walk in the spirit. If you walk in the spirit, you will be satisfied in what? All things... All things. Now then I here I want to conclude this real quickly with verse 19 because there's something that sets out here that I think (laughs) we don't pay attention to. Remember, this is for Christians only. This is a life of grace. Verse 19 deeds of the flesh are evident. People get mad at me because they say, Well, I think you're accusing me of something. And all I can think of is 519. No, the deeds of the flesh are evident. I don't have to go around and do some kind of seance or prayer meeting or something to this effect to see what the deeds of the flesh are. Here's what they are immorality. And it's just what it means. Immorality. When I let my flesh run, pornea. Pornea. I look at everything for sex. Oh, that's a pretty creature of God there. What the heck was that? That's immorality. It's immorality. You know, if you're walking in the spirit, you say, you know what? Let's say you're a man. And that's the only way I can do this because I've never been a woman. But if I'm looking at a woman, I'm going to look inside and see the glory and the majesty of Jesus Christ shining through that woman who's not worried about her outward appearance, but her holiness and purity before God. If I'm walking by the Spirit, I can look at a single woman. You know what? I can look at a single pretty woman. I can look at a single ugly woman and say both of these need to be lifted up as pure virgins before God. And that's part of my responsibility as a brother in Christ. Whether she's ugly or cute. And I don't have to worry about the ones who... You know, I'm just going to minister to the pretty ones. No. All of them. He told Timothy... Find faithful men and give them the things that I've given you and trust them so that they can teach. It's gender neutral. Find faithful ones and entrust them with what I've given you. You walk by the Spirit, what do you do? You keep your eyes open for faithful ones. There's only like three. So, no, just kidding. Come on, lighten up, people. All right. Deeds of Im- immorality, impurity. You know what that is? That's just nasty. It's just nasty stuff. Impurity. Sensuality. How much do you see that around? Deeds of the flesh. When you see people, um, I've got to go. Women who advertise. Okay? Listen, women advertise. Men do too. By my dress, by my actions, by my walk, oh, by what I do or don't do. Look, it's, you know, it's on the market. Okay, that's sensuality. Let me appeal to your senses. That's the people here say, I feel like, oh, great. Okay, be careful. Don't let your feelings be your guide. Let Christ, why? Walk by the Spirit. Um, Sensuality, idolatry. Oh boy, can I get off on that one? I don't want to beat on that one. I've taught it, get the tapes that I taught through Corinthians. First Corinthians. Idolatry um, are everywhere. It's everywhere. Absolutely everywhere. Um, idolatry. I can be, make a woman an idol. I can make a man an idol. I won't, but some will. Um, uh, um, an idol. You can make your kids an idol. You can make your education an idol. You can make your job an idol. You can make your television an idol. You can make. I heard a record that some guy just watched television for 69 hours and set a new record. And I said, he hasn't been to college. They break that record all the time. I mean, it's ongoing record. There's some there haven't stopped. Okay, but you see, it's stuff like that. We can just, listen, man was created to worship, and i never met a man or a woman who doesn't worship something. In some cases, we're, we're ambidextrous. We worship a whole bunch of stuff. We worship a whole bunch of stuff. So you go through idolatry. <clears throat> I mean, this is just nasty. Sorcery. Um, medications. Pharma KO is the word we get pharmacy from it. It can be alcohol, it can be legal drugs, it can be illegal drugs. I see it all over the place. Um, my generation is in charge of the doctor's office right now, and we'll give you a pill for everything. Why? Because that's what we did. When we were growing up, if you wanted to be up, you did an upper. If you wanted to be down, you did a downer. If you wanted to be around, you did a rounder. Wasn't that complicated? And so now we're doctors. And so you come in and you say, I'm just feeling depressed. Take this. And now I just can't extend Well, then take this. I can't sleep. Take this. I can't wake up. Take this. And that's what we do. What is that? Sorcery. Sorcery. I'm playing with medicine. Take a pill. Why? It's instant gratification sometimes. Instant gratification. Go right on through it. Enmities. You know what that is? Picking fights. Picking fights. Enmities. You running in people? Most of them are pastors. No. But, but are you seeing it All the time. Strife. Why? What comes out of enmities? Strife. I thought we were going for the unity of the faith. Now we have strife. Keep cruising. Jealousy. Outbursts of anger. Disputes. Dissensions. Factions. Sounds like Corinth or America. Envy. Drunkenness. Carousing. Things like that. Of which I forewarned you just as I have forewarned you. Those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now that I want to cruise up to the end of it because you all know these. Fruit of the Spirit. Okay? I believe, fruit of the Spirit, remember what His prayer was in Ephesians 3, that you'd be strengthened in the inner man and you would know what? Of Christ. That literally surpasses knowledge. You can't understand it. The saints, you and the saints will know the love of God. I believe that the rest of it come out of the first one. Okay? Why? In the inner man, the Holy Spirit does what? Reveals to me the love of my Savior and my Lord. And when He does that to me, the next thing that I hear from Him is follow me. Follow me. Okay? Out of that fruit of the Spirit, out of love. Remember? Romans says, the love of God has been poured into your heart. It's already there. Did you get it? Out of that comes joy. Out of that love comes peace. Out of that comes patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. And guess what? Against such things there is no law. I <laughs> oh, love love that. Why? Fall so in love with Jesus Christ that He overwhelms you in a way that you are no longer there. Only the love of Christ is seen. And out of that, you will have joy. You will have peace. You will have patience. You will have kindness. You will have goodness, faithfulness, self-control. All All right? That's already ours. It's already ours. Your responsibility. Verse 24. Here's what you do. Those who belong to Christ Jesus. Key phrase right there because it all deals with past tense. Okay? Those who belong to Christ Jesus. Remember what I said Christians only. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Verse 25. If we live by the Spirit, let us what? Walk by the Spirit. Okay? That's it, people. Look what He's already done! If you belong to Christ you have crucified the flesh. Okay? How many of you here try to get up in the morning and crucify the flesh? Do you really have that ability? Think about that word for a second. Listen. How can you crucify yourself? You couldn't do it if somebody gave you a cross and a hammer and nails. You can't do it. At some point, you've got... Uh oh, one left. How do I get? Uh, I got my foot. I got my arm. I got, but I got one left that's got a hammer in it, and I'm pulling that nail. You can't do it. Who did it? Christ, Christ, and the Spirit indwelling His people. So the flesh is crucified. Our problem is we want to pick it up and carry it. Big old dead body. If you've never carried a corpse, you can't really understand what I'm talking about. It is amazing how a 150-pound man can get that heavy after they have dead. I mean, I can lift 150 pounds, but I remember picking a guy up one time. Oh, wait a minute. I was riding. I was with an ambulance company, and we were trying to get a guy on a... I mean, was, look, dead bodies, let's carry them. Uh, and I was amazed at how stinking heavy this guy was. And I kept thinking, Mike, if he hadn't been in just his underwear, I'd have said, what do you got in your pockets? But hit well, they call it dead weight for a, for a reason. Why would we as Christians want to carry dead weight? Dead way. That's what the Apostle Paul is trying to tell us. By grace you have been saved, through faith, not of yourselves, so no one can boast. But know this by that same salvation, what has begun in the Spirit is perfected by the Spirit. Know this that you've only been blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenlies. And know this that the body of Christ. Because of these truths the manifold wisdom of God goes through the church and is presented to the authorities and principalities in the heavens. That's what God has already done. All we have to do is say yes my Lord. Yes my Lord. I always struggled with the text. <clears throat> Jeremiah. God calls Jeremiah. And he says, somebody's got to go to this stiff-necked people, and I need to tell them that my wrath is really close. I'm getting ready to judge and all the rest of it. And uh, who, who shall I send? Where's is Isaiah. Who shall I send? And Isaiah brilliantly stands up and says, send me. And then he proceeds to tell them, oh, by the way, they're not going to hear you. And I always thought, well, why did Isaiah continue? I mean, you're the sovereign. You say it ain't going to work. Why would I go? (laughs) I mean, you want somebody to go, but you're going to tell them that it doesn't work. Why? Because God said, I'm the master. You're the slave. Go and do my work. You know why? Because the people would stand before a holy God, and they would be without excuse. They'd be without excuse. I sent you Jeremiah. I sent you Isaiah. I sent you Daniel. I sent you Swindoll. I sent you MacArthur. I sent you Sproul. I sent you K. Arthur. I sent you Terry. I sent you all of these people, and you're without excuse. You're without excuse. You know what condemned the Pharisees? You didn't listen to the word or the prophets. Therefore, you're condemned. You know what you just heard today? You're now responsible for. By grace you have been saved. But you know what else? By grace you are sustained. Not of yourself. So no one can boast. Let's pray. Father, I give you the praise for your word. My brother Paul. Lord, the amazing things you've done. Lord, I just praise you for this text and how it burns in me. And Lord, I just pray that in my walk people will see this. But I also pray, Lord, that many believers will come. Many people who are predetermined will come and know and walk, not in the flesh, walk in the Spirit. Father, begin with me. Let me never, ever touch my flesh. Father, may the saints that you cherish me with, may they never walk in the flesh. Father, may we walk to the measure of Christ's gift. To you and you alone, my shepherd, my Savior, my Lord, my friend, in Christ, amen.